This podcast is a Bendy Geddig Media production. Hello, I'm Michael Sheen, and you are listening to a Touchline Rant podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of a Touchline Rant podcast. This week, back to the uh, the usual duo of myself, Luke, and my co-host, Mr. Alex Skinner. Um, this week, Alex reads us another excerpt from Kevin Keegan's autobiography and we will be focusing on that Sky Sports interview that I would love it love it if we read a section of his book about that interview and I look at players contracts that are expiring at the end of next month June no month after next June and players that are out on loan and the absolute chaos that 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 uh, will cause with players not knowing whether they're coming or going clubs not knowing if they've got players to play if the season extends past june the 30th who knows what's going on who knows um we certainly don't but hopefully we'll find out a bit more after this podcast so uh, stick around give it a listen don't forget to go follow us on social media as well at attach line rant uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And thank you very much, uh, as ever, to our producers, Bendy Geddig Media, for helping us get these lockdown episodes out into the real world. So, uh, music. Welcome to Football Post Apocalypto. This is the place where we ask what could football and the entire sporting landscape look like in 25 years' time? The football landscape has been shifted. Pray silence, please, for football post-apocalypto. This week on Football Post-Apocalypto, we rewind back to 1997. We're going to be knee-deep in the autobiography called My Autobiography from King Kevin Keegan. Will he return to Newcastle? Let's see some of the highlights of his reign. Here's King Kevin Keegan discussing that very famous interview, Sky Sports from 96. Another furore involving me and the television cameras blew up that season, namely my attack on Manchester United and Alex Ferguson for all his comments concerning United's game with Leeds. Many people saw the remarks as a clever psychological gambit, but if that was behind it all, it was a level to which I would never stoop 
Alex said that Leeds had tried harder against Man United with 10 men after their goalkeeper was sent off than they had done against most teams that season. And that he hoped they would show the same will to win in their next few vital games. Obviously, he knew full well that one of these was against Newcastle. And as far as I was concerned, his aim was to throw down a challenge to Leeds to ensure that focused on us. Suddenly, the Queensberry rules had gone out the window. That is what upset me. He had turned what had been an interesting championship into a bare-knuckle fight. What the hell was Alex doing talking about Leeds United anyway? That was Howard Wilkins' prerogative. He justified it by saying Leeds players owed it to Howard to prove their commitment because they had been letting down their manager all season. In spite the intense rivalry between the two clubs, Alex and Howard are great mates. Why not just mention it to Howard in private? I was so annoyed that I sounded off subject live on Sky TV. Alex may not have meant to say what I took him to mean, but I cannot be convinced that it was not deliberately fanning the flames for a battle for the Premiership. Alex may have been congratulated for winning the psychological war, but for my part, I received great many letters saying that I was accurate in my accusations and interpretations and commenting that I had been used the same strategy before. My public outburst may have given the impression that I don't like Alex Ferguson, but that's not the case. Certainly, ITV saw it as great publicity when Alex and I were thrown together on the Euro 96 panel. But I have to say, it never crossed my mind not to work with him. I was not so upset as all that. He made his statement in his own way, and I responded in a typical Kevin Keegan way. And that was it. Finished. My only regret is that I made my feelings known straight after the game, when my emotions and adrenaline were still running high. After that, I refused to go live on Sky Television. Those can distort everything you are hearing and force you to shout, which only makes matters worse in the heat of the moment. But having said that, the reaction was me all over. If I hadn't spoke out about it then, I would have done so at some other stage. It was heart on the sleeve stuff, but it was the way I felt. I don't believe the managers should be thrust in front of the cameras immediately after big matches. The television companies put an awful lot of money into the game, but it is important to ensure that the tail does not wag the dog. Nowadays, there is football on television every day of the week, even on Thursdays. And we in the game have, to, have had to adjust our lifestyles accordingly. In terms of playing the matches and preparing for them, it's easy. The week just shifts ahead by a day and Saturday becomes Sunday and Wednesday becomes Thursday. Technology. 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 New technology is making inroads into refereeing and one device is being tested enables a linesman to attract the attention of the referee via signal transmitted by a button on his flag. This is an excellent idea and seriously worth considering, although the danger is with any of these electronic devices that some smart aleck in the crowd will invent another gizmo which interferes with the signal and the poor referee will not know if he's coming or going. What I would like to see developed is something that can show whether or not the ball has crossed the goal line 
because that question really does cause terrible controversy and is not always easy for the referee or his assistant to have a clear view of the ball rocketing off the underside of the crossbar and back into play. It has recently happened a few times with what would have been really important goals. I imagine that such a device is not the easiest thing to produce or we would have it in use by now. The new offside law and those no back pass rules have enhanced the game. Some said those changes would be a disaster, but they've done nothing but good. However, other suggestions such as kick-ins replacing throw-ins, larger goals in cup matches, or taking a man off every five minutes in extra time are all non-starters as far as I'm concerned. A great deal of faith is being placed in the imminent advert of digital television. Supporters will be able to buy smart cards and decoders to watch the games played by the club or clubs of their choice. It sounds fantastic and a great money-making scheme, but I'm not so sure, I'm not at all sure that it will be good for football as some suggest and recent experiments with the system in Italy do not reassure me. There must be a danger that will stop people from going to see live football. Mystic Kev, Mystic Kev, Mystic Kev. Clubs must also seek to strengthen their position as a focal point of their communities, particularly in big cities like Newcastle and Liverpool. Some bias there. Particularly in the big cities like Newcastle and Liverpool. And this involvement should be planned carefully in the input of the people with relevant expertise. There is so much more that can be achieved. We can help with problems like drugs and truancy, but we cannot solve them. And we need proper advice from the professionals. Clubs should not think that they know it all and should steam in like a bull in a china shop. We can set up sports medicine centers and educational schemes, for example, giving children points to collect towards tickets for our games as a reward for an achievement at school. Footballers have a lot to offer because kids look up to them and their influence in helping the professionals put over a message or boost their morale. A lesson in road safety from Alan Shearer <laughs> make more of an impact than a school teacher's. And when Robbie Fowler visits a sick child in Liverpool Hospital, a doctor will often say, we've done all we can for him, but you have given him something none of us can. <laughs> the player's appearance will give the nurses and carers a big lift here. Clubs are now starting to stipulate in players' contracts that they should contribute to the community. They are not paying them for vast amounts of money just to play football. Such clauses would be difficult to enforce if an agent or a player refused to abide by them. So community work has to be something players want to do. The clubs need to encourage them to view this as an important aspect of their job and way of giving back. And it is not only the community which benefits either. It keeps the player in touch with real life. And the real feeling that you have helped someone is intensely fulfilling. Good message. That's good. And that concludes this week's reading of Kevin Keegan, My Autobiography from 1997. We've run through chapters such as Return to St James's Park, Riding the Black and White Tiger, Championship or Bust, Building the Squad, Capturing the Cream, and my personal favourite, Mystic Kev. Thank you for listening to Football Post-Apocalypto.
This is the Blender Coach, and you're listening to a Touchline Rants latest podcast. Back of the net. Hello, Luke here, coming at you live from the bench in my back garden, which is where I tend to be on sunny days right now. I sit here with a with a beer in hand, and I contemplate football. Today's contemplation corner, if you will revolves around player contracts. Uh, In particular, those contracts which are going to expire this summer on June the 30th. Who the hell knows where this is going to end up? Football as a whole right now is just paused. It's It's not something which is important right now. We're all, we are all missing it. Well, most of us are missing it. I think my household, which is myself and then my two daughters and my wife, all of whom dislike football intently. They're not missing it. I am. And by proxy, they're now missing football because I'm missing it so much. We are going to... We're in a spot right now where nobody has a clue what is happening in regards even completing the fixtures. We don't know whether they'll be completed at all, let alone when they could be completed. Um, so, and there's so many different questions of where they come up. One is loan deals. Players who are on loan at clubs right now. Take uh, Mario Cardi, for example. Inter Milan wanted to get rid of Cardi, and he wouldn't budge for a long time. They weren't playing him. He was costing them money. They needed him off the wage bill. They just needed him gone. Um, eventually, PSG came in um, and PSG took him on loan for this season. Now, he's had a, a pretty damn good season, to be fair. He's, he's been very influential for them. Um, he scored a lot of goals. But now, will PSG make the plunge and sign him for a lot of money after this, this many months of inactivity with barely any revenue coming in. Who knows? Will Inter Milan, you know, uh, Inter Milan have got to take him back. There's no uh, obligation to buy in the loan deal in this particular case. But then that does beg the question for the ones where there is an obligation to buy. Um, where does that, what happens with them? Because there could be players, uh, Jean-Kevin Augustin for Leeds. And they brought him in on loan from Monaco. Now, I believe that there is an obligation to buy in that. But they only got him in January. Are they going to be forced to pay the money when they haven't actually... They haven't actually seen him play that much. You know, he hasn't had that many games of football. It, it, it all... It's all very murky. And while everyone is, is concentrating on when the games will be played and if they will be played and are Liverpool going to win the title, will it just be called off etc 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 there are all these little things which need to be thought about as well now going back to player contracts let me bring you the case of adam lalana adam lalana's contract runs out on june the 30th at liverpool now he's 31 so chances are well it's obvious really he was not going to sign a new contract at liverpool they would have extended it by now surely um they're definitely not now he's been linked very 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 heavily with leicester city 
And Leicester, it looked as though we're going to take him on a free transfer at the end of the season. Liverpool lose the players' wages from the bill. They obviously weren't playing him a great deal. Everyone's a winner. But now, on June the 30th, Adam Lallana does not have anything forcing him to sign a contract with Liverpool. They could offer him a month-by-month rolling contract. Fair enough. But he doesn't have to. He's not obligated. But where does this leave him? Because if the fixtures aren't completed by June the 30th, he's then not under contract with Liverpool. He, he could sign for Leicester, but would, if the fixtures aren't completed, he won't be able to play for Leicester until next season. It's a mess. It's a mess. And there's, there's other players. There's the likes of um, Davis Silva at Man City, who this was his last season at Man City. This was going to be his last hurrah. A club legend. Does he st- will these players now be offered extensions? Will they get short-term deals? If they sign a six-month loan deal, will it go... When will it expire? Will they be able to move in January? There's other players as well who, if they don't... If they can't sign these... Say a club like Bournemouth. Let me... Let me let me take you to Bournemouth. Some of you might not have been to Bournemouth. It's down the south coast. It's a big favourite of Harry Redknapp's. Let's go down and have a look what's happening there. Bournemouth, who are, as things stand, in a relegation fight. They're, defin- they're in a relegation fight. They need all the players that they can get. However, they have a number of players whose contracts expire June the 30th. They are Ryan Frazier... Jordan Ibe, Charlie Daniels, Andrew Sermon, Simon Francis, Arta Boric and Brad Smith. Now, those players, that's a lot of players. Those players could help them this season, could help them stay up. If Bournemouth don't sign those players or can't sign those players to say month-by-month rolling contracts and the players just go, no, it's fine, I'll just run my contract down, it expires June 30th and then they'll get a new club as and when the 2020-2021 season begins. Bournemouth have hugely lost out on a number of players, especially Ryan Frazier, he's the name that stands out here, who would have been able to do a job. Now, if say they've got three games left to play come June the 30th. What happens there? Like the, These players would have been able to help them potentially stay in the league. They would have helped them scrap and fight for every every you know last point available and they won't have them so okay these these players may not have been deemed a necessity to re-sign they may not have been deemed as crucial to re-sign there may be reasons why these contracts are running down I mean chances are with Ryan Frazier you imagine it's the player's decision to be fair but now they're needed now they're in a huge demand um at, at Burnley as well you know Jeff Hendrick Joe Hart Phil Barsley Aaron Lennon, they all run out. Chelsea are, uh, Chelsea are in the... They could lose Pedro, Willian, Olivier Giroud and Willy Caballero this summer. Now, under English law, it is not possible to force players to continue to play beyond the 30th of June date. Um, nor is it possible to force them into taking wage cuts or deferrals, um, which is, you know could end up being very frustrating for many clubs. Um, as of right now, it looks as though clubs will continue to voluntarily ask players to take such steps. But when you factor in, you know, agents and you know, clubs, there are very strict regulations that apply internationally, which prevent clubs from putting pressure on players. Um, 
which could mean that we end up seeing clubs not only facing censor from the football authorities, but also players legitimately being able to walk away from their contracts and join other clubs early as a result of such pressure. That's taken from the um, from a Daily Mirror article there, which I've used as research for this. I should credit them. That is, I mean, it's it's massive when you think that they could. Liverpool could be could have one game on the 29th of June. It's very possible, and Adam Lallana's playing on the bench, and two days later he's a Leicester City player, and Liverpool still have fixtures, and there's nothing they can do to stop it from happening. It's one of the many things that needs addressed and one of the many things that needs looking into in regards to this. And there's a lot of clarity. So when we're sitting at home thinking, oh, well, the biggest thing is getting these fixtures played, I agree. But there's so many other things that need looking into. How many, this, does, this doesn't even factor in how many players they've got, these clubs have got on loan and their loan deals end on June the 30th. Like a lot of clubs could suffer a lot if these if we don't hurry up and, and have a definite answer to the completion of this season. I'm not here to make a decision. I haven't got the power. But it is my job. Self-appointed, mainly, but it is my job to highlight these issues that we may not be dis may not be, you know, at the forefront of our minds and get a discussion going. So what do you think should happen? Should we should these players now be given month by month contracts? They can't be forced into it. So the player power here is huge. Only time will tell, I guess. Only time will tell. Hi, I'm here with Mitchell Gadd, and you're listening to A Touchline Rant. So there you go. That's another episode in the bag. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back again next week for another slice of lockdown football genius. Genius is probably a bit of a strong word to use there, but we'll stay with it. Thank you very much to our producers, Bendy Geddig Media. Thank you very much to everybody who has listened. Don't forget to go subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating. It really does help. It really, really does help. Um, go follow us on social media as well, uh, at a Touchline Rant on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. If you are one of the Facebookers, if you could give us a review on Facebook as well, that would really help us out a lot. Um, so yeah, just thank you very much for listening and uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. I mean, we'll be here. We just hope you are as well. Bye. The podcast you just listened to was brought to you by Anchor. Ever wanted to start your own podcast? Now you can, by using Anchor. Anchor is great at anchoring and anchoring away at Anchor. So you can anchor all night long if you like. Anchor. <laughs> Try Anchor.